there's a lot more science to back up the benefits to heat um, with sauna. So I think that part of why I love it is because I, I really know that when I'm in there, it's almost like a workout. I know that there are benefits to it. It's like going to the gym. I, know, I go to the gym because I know exactly what, I kind of know what's happening physiologically in my body. So I know that this is a, you know, I'm making, uh, you know, making gains, I guess. <laughs> and so same with the sauna, I know that it's like, it's great for my cardiovascular system. It's great for my vasculature. It's great for um, my heat shock proteins. It's like, there's so many benefits to it. So I'm kind of in there and I'm like, might, might not be enjoying it towards the end, but I'm like, I know that this is going to be hugely beneficial. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Here we go, team. I am back. I'll be back. And I am back. Welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. The awesome Art Green joins us on the podcast. Now, Art's an early podcast guest. Back in the old school days, Art gave me time. And we went deep into the world of, you know, the reality TV stuff that he's done and is doing and and just you know the social media success that he's had and and um, look we talk a little bit about that in this episode about how he processes the world and what it's like to have a stranger say hey to his kid because he's seen the kid online you know things that let's just say 98% of us don't have to really ponder when we put our pictures up on Facebook we might get two or three likes but when you're an art green you're dealing with a kind of different consciousness of being publicly recognized so I find that fascinating to hear about how you know he processes that and also how he um, um, yeah processes that not just mentally physically and all of that stuff so we have an awesome chat around that we spend a bit of time on this kind of micronutrient discussion you know our diet and exercise and heat and cold therapy so it's a really awesome conversation and uh, can't wait actually for you to get into it before we get into it I'd like to give a quick little shout out to my friends at Be Pure so they recently sent me this 30 day challenge change pack right and it came with three bottles all right so basically it's the baseline nutritional and probiotic support recommended for everyone every day to support great health and vitality the ultimate pack that they sent me simplifies my wellness and it includes a two-month supply of B Pure One, the ultimate multivitamin for your nutritional needs. It also includes B Pure Two, a powerful probiotic for great gut health, and B Pure Three, a high-strength DHP EPA fish oil for all your essential omega-3 fats. Plus, each new pack comes with a free 30-day change challenge to set your wellness routine up for success. It's important to note that all products have BPure's signature traits of high quality, high strength, bioavailability ingredients to support to truly support and transform your wellness. Now, I may not be the slickest ad reader, but I definitely guarantee you that taking Be Pure is your step forward to wellness. And I'm not going to be shy about this. I'm really believing in this, more than believing. Like, look at some of the science on it. Google Julia Rutledge, who I am hoping, fingers crossed, will come on this podcast in a few weeks. And just see for yourself. 
learn for yourself the and think logically like on the deepest 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 cell levels our bodies are made up of these minerals and nutrients and we've got to feed that if we don't feed that then everything else in my opinion is a secondary conversation so I'm quadrupling down on the micronutrients conversation because man we have to we've got to do something against like just the harshness of life and let me tell you if you're not having a good you know macronutrients and micronutrient um, base life is extra tough so do us and do yourself a favor get on to be pure because as far as i can see that's the one of the only kind of um, everyday solutions for kiwis out there okay team let's get into the conversation art thank you brother for joining me on the podcast uh, interesting tradition catching up once every few years for these chin wags about life and congratulations on everything when this podcast comes out you've, you've probably either had the baby or you're getting there so you know slow nasal breathing brother because that's how we're going to keep things calm when the pressure's on okay everybody thank you all for blowing my mind and just being part of this journey i absolutely love bringing content like this to you and i got no plans to stop soon so let's get into it with the awesome art green Green, thank you for joining me. We are, uh, you're somewhere up north, I'm somewhere down south in the North Island. Um, first question is, have you got fibre where you live at the moment? Because <laughs> we just got fibre, man. Like we got fibre, living, I think, last week. You're living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and before we had fibre... Our, um, our internet up here in Walkworth was um, was so shocking. I mean, I'm not I'm not speaking for all of Walkworth. I'm just speaking for our house. The, the Wi-Fi was so terrible that when it rained, we had no we had no Wi-Fi, no internet. So we would um, and you know we have our own podcast that we would sometimes record via Zoom, and we'd have to like call off some of these um, podcasts because it was a rainy day. <laughs> we would even, like make up excuses like, oh, our kid's sick or something like that, but. Really, it's because it was raining and uh, our internet didn't work. <laughs> wow. Uh, look, I've done that many a time out here in Waiuku, you know, so it's like we haven't got fiber yet. But it's so weird out here, like in terms of fiber, I called and they're like, we don't know if you have it. And I'm like, well, can you do a test? And they're like, yes, but you have to apply for it first and then we can do a test. And I'm like, you know, there's more people out here than just me. But it feels like if you're out of that Auckland, um, whatever it is, infrastructure, you're really fending for yourself. Bro, was it a conscious move to get out of Auckland, you know, to get out of this bubble? Did you did you want to get out of it? Or like, why, why, why move up there? It, it was definitely a conscious effort. I mean, it was probably, I mean, there were a few different factors that led to us making the decision to move. Um, I'd say the the main yeah i'd say like a 50 percent of the reason came down to wanting to buy a house and not really being able to afford what we wanted to live in in auckland um so we started looking further afield and then the other 50 percent was like you know i we did kind of just want to get out of 
the hectic sort of lifestyle that we mm. seem to be living in Auckland. And, and I think for us, I know for me that, you know, it needed to be a, like a geographical um, move uh, to help with the sort of like mental move for me, which was, which was all about, you know, I wanted to start, um, you know, spending more time doing things for me and doing things that I wanted to do and, um, and not just uh, not saying yes to everything and everyone and, and um, doing things for other people just, you know, you know, I'd, I'd go along to meetings and stuff that like I could have just done via a phone call or I could have, they're just nonsense. Or I ended up, you know, we'd, we'd go along to all these different events and launches of different things. And it was like, I mean, who the fuck cares about a launch of some sort of shoe? And like, I mean, I mean, no, no, I mean, lots of people do, yes. but you know, but, but many times that we'd be going to things that like, we didn't even care about. And we're like, why are we here? What? And talking to people that we don't really no, and like yeah. I don't even have time to, to spend with my, you know, my closest friends, right? Because I'm spending time with these other people at these launches of things. And I was like, you know what? What are we doing? So so yeah, man, it was it was a conscious move to get out of Auckland. And um not that I, I hate Auckland, like I actually I still really like Auckland. Um, you know, I've I've sort of grown up all around New Zealand. Um you know, Christchurch, Wellington, Dunedin, and then move into Auckland within the last of like 10 years. So Auckland doesn't feel like home for me. So I kind of grew up thinking that Auckland was um, a horrible place full of wankers because when you grow up in Christchurch, that's what you're, you know, you're told. So, um, so I was like pleasantly surprised when I moved up here. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's actually really, really cool. So many awesome opportunities, some like awesome people. And it's, yeah, I feel like yeah, it's it's an awesome place. I mean, it plays its role though. It's the big city, you know. It's our big apple or whatever it is. And and I don't know, man. I'd be quite interested to kind of get your thoughts around. Like, there's obviously this deep human desire to let's just say we love we love the ends of things, don't we? In this world we're in now, we talk about like the up, down, left, right. You know, you've kind of got this idea that what group are you in? And I kind of think on this really deep level, even our body does that too. You know, we've got our fight or flight response. We've got our rest and digest. We're definitely not one thing. Probably we're aiming to be in some homeostasis, if you like, of the middle, but it's really hard. It's like you're knocked out of that all the time. And, and so I think big cities like Auckland, they serve us something. Eh? They like the hustle and bustle, the grind. And um, I wonder how much you've been kept in that circle, particularly because when I first caught up with you a few years ago to have a podcast, I think you just finished that first reality show, The Bachelor or something like that. Well, I don't even know what the progression was because – I remember naming that episode like coming out the other end of reality TV, right? And then it was kind of like, wow, that's an interesting prospect. And I think you told me at the time you hadn't really had a conversation about it, you know, being thrust into that limelight. And then um, see ya, you know, we'll catch you later. And like, I didn't even like know really where I'm going in this. But, but there's something about these zones we're in. And then I was thinking about driving home today, talking to you, what some questions might be. But the one question I thought is like, before we kind of get back to this, this zone thing, is like, what do you, how do you describe what you do? You know, like presumably you travel when we could travel and you had to write a boarding pass. What do you write on that? A, a, mm. Like entertainment or what is I it? Just, I always just write self-employed. Right. Um, or 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've made up some funny ones before, I think. <laughs> I, I oftentimes just take the piss, but I think I just go self-employed because I'm just like, I mean, it's just simple and can't really, can't be bothered elaborating or even thinking about what I like, because I do wear quite a few different hats. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, it's like TV host and it's also like um, social media is you know that is that is a job for us now um it doesn't feel very comfortable um labeling myself as like a social media uh, influencer um but essentially like that is that is a big part of my my income mm. um i don't find it i guess i'm just not really that comfortable with that with that title because i don't find it very fulfilling right um and so it's certainly not something that i um you know, I, I don't. I don't hope that I'm um, relying on that for income. You know, a few years from now, I, I'd like to be doing something else. But at the moment, um, my main thing is that you know I'm a dad, and so I'm I'm looking after my son. Um, well, four days a week. He's now daycare three days a week. So yeah, I'm, but I'm looking after him um, four days a week, and that's you know looking after anyone who's who's got kids knows that that's a you know pretty much a full time job in itself. And so I'm finding I'm getting a lot of um, oh, it's just it's just the most incredible experience for me. I've I've found it such an easy transition into this fatherhood, and one that I find so meaningful. Um, so for me, it's kind of like, that's my main thing. And then I just fit in all these other things around it. Um, social media is incredible for us in that we can, you know, um, earn a little bit of money to live off and, you know, we don't have a, a flash life or anything, you know, we're living up in Warperth and we just have a very comfortable life. Um, but we're able to work from home and spend time doing the things that we, you know, put value in and so i feel very very lucky with where i'm at in my stage of life and um yeah i mean that is a really nice articulation of i guess what i was trying to feel out it's like we've got these zones right and maybe one of the kind of hot zones i mean social media's it dominates in many ways, doesn't it? Uh, you know, you've got this algorithm and it's one job is to keep your eyeballs on and extrapolated. You fit in there somewhere and it's definitely not all good and not all bad, but it's somewhere because sure, you're, you know, advocating for things you believe in and humans have done that since day one. Um, but then you talk about this fatherhood journey and it probably couldn't be anything more different, right? There's there's a life algorithm. Art Green doesn't have to know to love the child. It's supposed to be inbuilt if you can, you know, and kind of beautiful as well. And I think there's something really kind of interesting about how you're fusing those two, you know, and that you can't really go to your parents or their grandparents and say, hey, how'd you, how did you deal with putting your kid on social media? particularly when you've got a following and you're the first generation of, you know, well-known people who are, you know what I mean? Kind of something in that. So there's a real yeah. interesting space to, and just about zero kind of people would ever sit back and think, yeah, that's a tricky one. Cause most people just put baby online and it's like yeah. one, two or three likes, but you've got to contend with thousands. And I think that's an interesting yeah. idea. It's, it's, it's interesting, man. Like we, um, 
we're not, you know, we're, we're still figuring this out. Right. <laughs> but we, we know that we, you know, we never want to use our, our kids as like props for any sort of um, social media, uh, you know, advertising or anything like that. That just doesn't feel right to us. And I think we'll probably start to, um, you know, maybe like a couple of years or like a year or two before they start primary school, we'll probably start to phase them out of our, uh, our Instagram feeds just so they're not so recognizable. Um, mm. I think it's probably just, you know, I just think it's a bit fairer on them. I don't know if they'd be treated any differently by their peers. So um, I think that's probably what we'll, what we'll do. Um, Cause it's, it's interesting now, you know, we, I mean, walk West is a small, it's a small town and lots of people, you know, everyone knows everyone. And I, I actually really like that about this place and everyone's so friendly, but you know, it's hilarious. I'll be like taking Milo for, I mean, this was like a couple of days ago. I was taking Milo for a walk in the, the backpack. We love just going for walks and walking around the town and like walking past the bu- a bus and Milo loves buses. So he's like, Oh, like yelling out at this bus. He can't really talk. He just yells. And, um, and the bus driver's like, hello, Milo. Like, I've never seen this guy before in my life. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. even this, like, 60-year-old bus driver knows who my son is. So it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting um, world in general just with social media. And it's, it's even, even more so when I, you know, just yeah, being in a position that I'm in where people, yeah, know who you are. It's, it's crazy. Uh, did you, you know, trajectories in life and different opportunities, and I don't know how far to dig down that rabbit hole because, you know, it's pretty freaky if you think like, was it sliding doors? You know, there's this road that goes down, and if if you go down that road, certain things won't happen. I, I I'd like to believe that there's opportunities all over the place if you're open to it. Something like luck, you know, you've got to be looking up. But would I be kind of somewhere in the right, you know, ballpark of you know, as your life has kind of become more public and, um, yeah, I don't know, just that kind of whole thing, this whole getting back to nature thing has emerged along with it. You know, I know you went down the food route and the stuff I see with you at the moment, it's very much about these elements, you know, it's the cold, it's the, it's the heat, it's, it's these kind of simple things that, uh, you know, that are really primal. Uh, do you think that would you would have landed there anyway, or is this amplified because um, of the kind of day-to-day stuff you do, particularly publicly? I think I probably would have ended up here regardless. I think that my, I'm, I'm kind of like a big believer in just everything happening exactly as it's meant to happen. You know, um, I feel like I'm kind of just, yeah, the, I'm the type of person that I, I was always going to be interested in health. And I think that my lifestyle is probably just a reflection of the way that I, the type of health that I, um, um, I guess, adhere to, which is quite a holistic and natural way of health. And generally through many of the different sort of, um, I guess, like facets of health, you know, you look at exercise and and nutrition and um, mental health and all these sorts of things. Like a lot of them are just kind of going, they've gone kind of full circle and going around back to basics. And now it's all about eating as close to nature as we can. It's like, there's lots of health to do with, um, you know, just walking bare feet and getting grounded, going swimming in the ocean. Um, Mm. You know, all, all these things are just, um, 
they're kind of just gone full circle and people have gone through this uh, figured out all these things and they're like you know gone done all these studies and they're like you know this is you know this is good for you for this reason this is good for you that reason it's like you know what wow it's actually um it's so simple it's just basically living as close to nature as we possibly could and and if we do that in, in line with nature, in line with the seasons, and really that's probably the healthiest thing we can do for our bodies and for our minds. Yeah, man. It, it's weird. I use that word a lot. I use that word a lot. It is weird that when you hear that, when you say that, it does sound logical. And to me, I'm like, yep, yep, I'm in, I'm in. So what what gets hacked, you know? What gets hacked along the way that it becomes so hard to – well, the feeling may be that how how can it be that simple, you know? Yeah, um, totally, man. I think there, there, there are like so many different things at play. And, I mean, one of the big things is obviously you can't live a, a natural uh, life of, a, of our ancestors because of the society doesn't work like that anymore. I mean, mm. You can't earn a living. You can't live in the city. You can't, you know, all of these things. So you basically have to figure out how you can still live the normal uh, city life really but to try and hack your way um, into being healthy by trying to I guess incorporate as much of this natural way of living as you can however mm. you can um, and I think the reason that it's um, you know part of the reason why a lot of the time we as humans like we generally a natural way of health it's sort of it's sort of a slow progression. It takes time. It's not like a quick fix to anything. Um, and I think that as humans, we, we really seek this quick fix and we really like instant results. And so when you, uh, yeah. So like, so like with nutrition and things like that, you basically have to be following some sort of belief that this is going to be healthy for you because a lot of the time you don't see results for like a month or two afterwards. Um, yeah. I didn't even know where I was going with this, but um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. And, and there's something about that, the opposites of uh, the now versus what may come. And we obviously built like, you know, fat loss, for example, doesn't matter how you frame it up outside of a really drastic surgery, you ain't losing jack shit for a while, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm on that journey for life. You know, it's like, yes, you, you think you come across, you know, like a potato diet or something. Yeah, that's awesome. And it just sucks because you can yo-yo your way through. And I sit there thinking, 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 and, you know, on the study stuff, and we've talked a little bit pre the record, it's like around these micronutrients. And I was like, I think I think that's ground zero because if you haven't got a good base of just, you know, let's say the deepest stuff on a cellular level, at its very manifestation, it is what it's going to be based on where that is. And, you know, if you're stressed all the time, you're using more of these micronutrients to try and, you know, help you in the elevated state because you're running higher adrenaline and all of these type of things. And if that's depleted upon depletion, you know, you can, it's the first way, the first time I've actually been able to imagine how you may get to a point where it's not worth it, you know, because 
I'm someone who's lucky to have been loved. And, you know, my mum came to New Zealand from Rarotonga and she, all she wanted was for her kids not to be hungry. And she really meant that for me, you know, she just fed me and fed me. And I sit there with her today. I'm like, mum, guess what? That wasn't a good way. Now I'm, now I'm addicted to all this bad shit, but she's like, I'm sorry, but you know, she didn't know. And now I've got to kind of work back. And for my kids, it's more balanced, but, um, but but I never understood how you can get to that point of sadness. You know, it's something like when we talk about mental health or this crisis and, you know, New Zealand leading kind of horrifically leading statistics and um, youth suicide. I think many people who grew up in a, let's just say a generic Kiwi way won't understand how we can get there. But the mm-hmm. first time I really understood it was, I was like, well, imagine looking through a lens at someone and seeing like a zombie and that's what you look like on a micronutrient deficiency, you know, you're just running on instinct. And I kind of then thought to myself, if you have really low micronutrients, things will appear amazing that really aren't based on marketing tricks. Like a Big Mac will look fucking delicious. It's got all the variety of, you know, lettuce and tomato and all these things that your brain must be like, Yes, give me that. Versus looking at just like, you know, something regular from the supermarket. And so I was like, ah, that makes sense. Because, you know, it is weird that we know like Maccas and not just picking on Maccas, but they they make money because we all line up. And I'm like, it must be more than just people being lazy and making a bad decision. You know, it must be because we don't really do that in too many other areas. You know, people on mass make the motorway work every day. People en masse, you know, we saw it in COVID. There was toilet paper there. It's not like we dropped the ball too often, I think, my reading on things at a mass level. So where are we dropping the ball there? And I thought you had to go all the way back to ground zero. Uh, what would your ground zero be? If, you, if you're like you know, Jacinda brings you in and you're, you got to give one thing of where we start, you know, we're going to go back to, back to beginning, back to basics. You know, you can choose from anything. Is it, is it a food related thing, an exercise related thing, a meditation practice? And maybe that's too much pressure. Just like, no, no, no. I mean, I, yeah. I, I haven't really thought about this, but, but one thing that I would, I think would be really beneficial to the health of New Zealand would be to, uh, figure out a way to make fresh fresh produce cheaper. So, uh, I mean, you know what? In an, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, uh, it would be incredible if the whole of New Zealand was organic. We were we transitioned to organic farming um, and regenerative agriculture, and we were able to um, somehow subsidise fresh produce so that it was um, cheaper than highly processed um, crap food full of sugar. Um, so potentially maybe you would have to look at putting some sort of taxes on those sort of things to then be able to subsidize the healthier foods. 
I mean, that that would be, I think, um, hugely, like from a health point of view anyway, that would be a, a hugely beneficial point of view. I mean, I, I'm sure there are just so many economic um, things that you'd need to work through and um, pe- people are probably listening to this going, nah, it's impossible. But you know what? Um, I don't think it's impossible. And um, I think it would just mean that people would have changed their behaviours and, yeah, but... Mm. I mean, that I think think would be an incredible thing. I think everyone can agree with that. And probably a lot of people also listening will be thinking, well, I eat quite healthy. And I think that's the hidden monster here is that, let's say, at a political level, and just highly speculating, you know, let's try and keep the thing of a podcast where we can still talk without knowing we're being hunted for everything we say. But um, at a political level, I might assume that on average – they have okay wages, enough to at least buy food, you know, food that they would want to eat on purpose, you know. And so you might imagine that their shoppings might be quite different to people who have even, you know, 20% less funds because, um, you know, sometimes even in our family, it's like, yeah, you go for something that can feed a lot with a little um, and it just, you know, on a weird dopamine level, you get multiple wins. You know, there's less money going out of your bank. At least that's how it's perceived. I don't think it's actually like that. You don't have to cook and you get to throw away the rubbish and everyone gets fed, you know? So it's like four or five different services being covered. But the fallout of that is just... I think it's showing now. We talked a little bit about, you know, Ben Warren, Julia Rutledge, like these people who, I mean, this is where the, the I think the conversation is at now, you know, some emerging science, which is really showing that um, this, uh, you know, solution for depression, you know, mild depression, which won't lead to the hard end of the psychosis stuff. And, and you know, yeah, when I look at what yeah, they're I mean, actually I, saying. I, I, think, I think that, um, I think micronutrient deficiencies are like, it sounds like that they, they do play a huge part um, in a lot of mental health issues. And I think that you can, sounds like some of the, the science that's been done at the moment is looking promising to help treat some of the milder forms of the mental health issues with, um, yeah, high levels of vitamins essentially. Um, but I also don't think that that's like the, the, I don't think that's one and only cause. And I don't think it's the one and only cure. I think that there are just so many other, um, factors that go into mental health. Mm. Um, that it's, yeah, it, it's it's too hard to kind of sum it up as as that sort of micronutrient deficiency side of things. Um, but as a base, right? I mean, I think. Yeah, I don't know. To, to be honest, I don't know enough about it to to, mm. to to say that it was a base. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that it's a base. To be honest with you, I I, I would think that it could be a base for some people, mm-hmm. but I still think that someone could be incredibly micronutrient. Um, like have a great micronutrient profile, but they could still be susceptible to having um, mental health issues depending on their lifestyle factors and, you know, simple things like being loved, having purpose, um, getting enough sleep, uh, all sorts of different, um, yeah, factors in their life that could, could potentially play a part. Yeah. I mean, I like, 
yes, science and being kind of being able to prove the point is incredibly important. And, you know, I think we're learning in history too, like what's that, what's the right balance, you know, of those, but bring it back to the parenting conversation. Like there's a deficiency that a parent can bring into a relationship with a child, you know, and it is up to the person to try and track back what is that's an individual journey as I'm a father and you're a father and we have to, you know, we can't just say I'm deficient in some areas. We've all got these different stories and it's up to us to kind of work it out. But I think the difference is it is up to you to work it out and there's incentive to, you know, it's the importance of life. It's seeing that child grow and trying your best to guide in the right way. And it's not even like you're, it's not even, you know, the bit I've struggled with, um, I've got three kids, two are early teens and one's three years old. And the bit I've struggled with is as my kids have got older, I can't be their friend all the time. And it really, it's hard for me, you know, it's a little bit like um, I watch them with my friends and they act in a way that I would like them to act to me. But for me, I'm the guy that's got to make sure you brush your teeth and clean your bloody bag. And it's very counterintuitive, you know, so, um, but I understand that's my role and I'm reluctant to commit to that, but I definitely know. And it doesn't cause harmony all the time, which is, which is maybe like a segue into, you know, I've been asked lots, you know, what's the deal with the sauna and the cold and why the hell would you leap yourself into that? And mm-hmm. it's up. It's only up until recently in which I've been able to give a succinct answer. I mean, the best I was able to do is, you know, like be, uncom- be comfortable being uncomfortable. But I mean, it's, it's such a T-shirt now that everyone's mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 I get it. You've got another saying, you know. Um, why do you do it, Art? Is it... Um, yeah, why do you why do you go back to the elements? What is it about the heat and the cold that brings you in? It's such an interesting question because like I've been asking myself the same thing and I don't have a clear answer myself, but I do know that for some I think it's some sort of subconscious reason, my body or my mind or both, um really find benefit in it and so you know yeah it's it's very odd like sometimes i'll do an ice bath and i won't really enjoy it that much so at least i might not enjoy the first bit of it but then the next day i'll be like craving an ice bath and it's like well why you know why is that because i didn't like it's not like the most fun thing to do like i i can imagine it would be more fun to maybe catch up with some mates for a beer but for some reason, like I just, I, I really like to do it almost every day. I, I have a cold shower every single shower I have, you know, even through winter, I still have cold showers, even though it's like not very enjoyable during winter, but for some reason I, you know, I, I feel great straight afterwards and I, and there's something about it that draws my body back to it. And I know there's a lot of science behind yeah, like you mentioned, becoming comfortable, being uncomfortable and essentially just controlling my stress response. So controlling, you know, my, my body being in its sympathetic nervous system sort of drive during that stressful period and and then me controlling that sympathetic nervous system response. So controlling my breathing and lowering my stress response and lowering my cortisol. And, and by doing that, I'm sort of in control of my 
my autonomic nervous system. And, and then that sort of in turn then enables me to tolerate more stress during the day. And I've sort of elevated my stress response. And I do think that this is all true. I mean, it's hard for me to actually pinpoint it down because I'm doing so many different things all at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm changing up my diet often. I'm, um, I'm forever sort of on this journey of health, which I, I really like. It's, it's kind of a form of creativity for me is seeing what my body can, can do and my mind can do. And, um, through experimentation, through health practices. I, I really enjoy it. Um, but, you know, I started meditating about the same time as I started my cold water immersion. So um, I, def- I, I definitely have noticed a huge improvement in my, my stress tolerance and probably my overall, posit- my overall positivity and energy have both increased um, since then, but I, don't, I couldn't put it down to either the cold or the, hot, uh, either the, cold or the meditation. Um, could be both who knows and then lately it's been um you know jumping into that to the heat um, i recently got a, a sauna put in underneath our house in this little dungeon room i converted it to a sauna um that's where i keep my ice bath as well and um saunas it's kind of similar to the ice bath you know like mm. it sounds like it's the most you know just a nice pleasurable thing and that's kind of how i'd always thought about saunas but you know when i'm in the sauna it's like I'm in there for like 20, 25 minutes at like 90 degrees Celsius. And it's, it's nice for the first sort of 10 minutes. And then those, the second 10 to 15 minutes is like, it's challenging. It's hard. It's not really that enjoyable. Um, especially not towards the end. It's, it's, you know, it's claustrophobic. It's hot. It's your heart rate gets up. Um, I was just, you know, my heart rate sort of gets up to about hundred and, 25 beats per minute. I was in here with a mate tonight and his heart rate got up to 160 beats per minute, just like mm. gradually gets up, mm. up over 25 minutes. Um, and it was, you know, he has a bit more muscle on than me. Um, and it's amazing just like what your body does under these stressful conditions. But, um, but yeah, the, there's a lot more science to back up the benefits to heat um, with sauna. So I think that, part of why I love it is because I, I really know that when I'm in there, it's almost like a workout. I know that there are benefits to it. It's like going to the gym. I know I go to the gym because I know exactly what I kind of know what's happening physiologically in my body. So I know that this is a, you know, I'm making, uh, you know, making gains, I guess. <laughs> and so same with the sauna. I know that it's like, it's great for my cardiovascular system. It's great for my vasculature. It's great for um, my heat shock proteins. It's like, there's so many benefits to it. So I'm kind of in there and I'm like, might, might not be enjoying it towards the end, but I'm like, I know this is going to be hugely beneficial for me. So um, yeah, that's, that's what sort of keeps me going back to the hot and the cold. And um, I guess those are yeah, the other elements, but, but, I also I realized the other day that a huge one for me is actually bathing in the ocean. Um, that is a huge, um, that really, I, I feel, I feel a big, a big shift um, physically and mentally when I, when I bathe in the ocean, just like going for a, a swim, you know, one minute, one minute in the, in the ocean or two minutes, you know, nothing too serious, but just jumping in the water. Um, I think there's a, there's, has, has a bit to do with, grounding you know it's um, it's a something i'm learning a little bit more about just with your your um electrical charge basically in your body with the ions and picking up negative ions from the earth um, and like the greatest way to to ground is actually in sort of um ankle deep water in the ocean um and yeah so that's there you go there's a bit of a ramp there that's awesome though hey it's awesome because you must be, get a million and one questions about it. Um, 
I still think it's at the beginning of this, you know, like uh, I told you when we were messaging that, you know, I've definitely fallen down this rabbit hole of breathing and particularly around slow nasal breathing and the health benefits there for reducing anxiety and, and, and just really understanding physiologically what's happening. And it's actually really quite straightforward, you know, that your nose has a direct link to your diaphragm. So that takes care of all of this, you know, um, people feeling like they don't really know what diaphragmatic breathing is and it gets into the yoga space and it it freaked me out. And I think it freaks a lot of people out because am I supposed to be hum? And it's like, well, maybe, but let's see if we can get there somewhere else. And and then when I started looking at some of the um, storytelling around how my Pacific ancestry, well, one, they lost this link to nasal breathing, even though Māori kept it through Hongi and those old stories. But I started looking back into Pacific culture and there's a huge kind of wealth of storytelling around, you know, nasal flutes. And that would be a way to show a potential partner that you were healthy through how well you could breathe through your nose. And even, you know, when Captain Cook's dudes rolled up to shore, their nickname for them was like, I can't remember the translation, but it meant in English without breath. You know, it was these um, people who are mouth breathers. And um, I think that's a really fascinating story because like the micronutrient story, breathing also impacts how we go into, you know, the sympathetic and parasympathetic zones. And also there's a wealth of research in the, in the realm of, you know, if you're not actually breathing through your nose, you're not, you know, enacting some of the things that clear out the brain from, um, you know, the nose changes how open each hole is every 90 minutes. And that's supposed to be filtering a little bit of junk out there through the cerebral, you know, fluid, but also cooling and heating the brain on its different sides. And I just think like our body is actually telling us, isn't it? It's telling us that I've got different zones and you have to look after me a little bit like how I'm whinging about my kids, not being my best friends, but they were, and they will be again, but this is this zone. And Mm -hmm. I think um, that's where I'm fascinated is to look at, well, if we don't put ourselves in that such a zone of like, what's the right thing to do rather how do we recognize where we are and where we kind of need to adapt you know that's where i think that cold and heat do a lot of that regulating for us you know even doesn't matter if you're at a different kind of um state physically or mentally or emotionally like ice bath sucks all the time every single time until you get out and until you start imagining the next time then you're like Hey, there's something to this, and same with the heat. Um, do you do nasal breathing in the sauna? Have you have you worked? Um, have you noticed how you breathe? Yep, yep, yep. So I, I nasal breathe in the sauna, mm. um, and then every now and then I'll do some I'll do some counting with my breathing and and just try and elongate my breaths. Um, I sometimes try and. It's, it's quite hard in the sauna, but I do it in the ice bath. I basically breathe through my nose um, so slowly and quietly that I can't hear it. Nice. Um, and that is, I find that just hugely calming. That's, I love, I love that so much. Mm. Um, and I also just started doing a little bit of experiment, experimenting with um, CO2 tolerance. 
breathing. Yeah. So I'll be in the sauna. It's, it's fucking hard in the sauna. Mm. Um, but I, I do it when I'm walking. So basically I'll just be breathing normally and then I'll just breathe out completely and then hold that um, and just see how long I can hold it for. Um, usually like it's not long enough because I'm usually walking carrying Milo on my back and I'm, I'm sort of walking around hills. It's probably like 20 seconds. It's not very yeah. long. Um, but, you know, at that point I'm like, you're, you're really sort of, <laughs> really feel like taking a breath in and it's almost like I get this surge almost of adrenaline. It's quite an amazing feeling. Um, but that's, you know, that's just another controlled stressor right there. Um, but yeah, in the sauna, I do the same thing. Um, and that's, that's quite intense doing it in the sauna. Mm. I've started trying, um, you know, I'll do, I'll do something similar as well, you know, um, um, just easy breath in, easy breath out like that and then breath out, hold it. But I'll also try and pick a point and practice my peripheral view because I read something in Pacific culture that that's how the voyagers that do more practice on peripheral vision. You know, um, I think I think a lot of like our ancient ancestry for, you know, worldwide, it was about preparing you for the unknown, you know, like, tr- but true unknowns, you know, like mm. we might not know how we'll feel tomorrow because we're not in fairly charge of it. But if your job was to sail the ocean to an unknown place or you were going to a battle, like you had to be kind of, I guess, ready, you know, like the HRV measurement, like an actual healthy HRV measurement is variety, like the meaning of life is variety. And and I really like the idea that when I think when you start looking back through some of the storytelling, um, you know, I was hearing a story the other day about, um, in ancient Tongan culture, um, people it was a game to hold a boulder and sink to the bottom of the ocean and last one up wins. And you see that practice come through now in these breath holding, um, even like deep sea diving, you know, we all think that's rock star, you know, and it's like, yeah, because remember when we were kids, whoever could hold their breath well, the longest. I mean, that's, that, 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 I mean, that's really cool. Just, and even like the nose flute stuff, you know, that's like, um, that's, physiological you know um prowess and like it's like showing your physical health and they're turning that into um i guess like kind of like natural selection you know mm-hmm. because i guess if you're able to play a nose flute very well then you're probably breathing incredibly well you've probably got incredible um co2 tolerance you're probably very healthy on so many levels and then that enables you to then most probably procreate and then have strong and healthy offspring and on and on it goes that's absolutely and it's very fair i think it's very fair in our world which sometimes gets a bit confused about what's right and wrong and i mean that all over the show um, even just the idea of, you know how we kind of value, well, I don't really know what it means, but I guess beauty would say a man is a masculine jaw, you know, like a, a strong jawline, you know, it's kind of like something you hear, like people who have strong jawlines, whatever. But I realized part of my um, kind of dive into the nasal stuff is when you keep your mouth closed, your tongue sits at the roof of your mouth. And that's where it's supposed to be because it's supposed to gently push on the top of your palate to widen that. And so when that happens, you have a stronger jaw and mm-hmm. you have straighter teeth and you have this kind of rock 
you know, these these wide jaw lines. And so there's this whole generation of YouTubers who do this thing called mewing. It's worth a look. And you know, I've, you, I've, I've, I've looked at it. You've mewed. <laughs> I've mewed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I just love that it's another signal in the right direction of look, we've kind of we've taken these things and we just call them beautiful or whatnot, but actually at the end of the day it's saying something. And I think it is still right to aim towards these things. But you know, it's a, it's an interesting um conversation because where does it where do you go when it all when the wheels fall off? That's what I'm interested in, you know. And maybe maybe as we come to a bit of a close, because I know I've kind of kept you for um nearly coming up to an hour. Uh How's the sound as a general, that's where my mind's at, right? So I've got like years of the study stuff and gosh, it's doing my head in. But at the moment, uh, you know, Grant Schofield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's kind of mentoring me and we've awesome. got a good, good relationship. He likes that I'm a little bit me and I like that he's him. And we have these little tussles and he we text each other and he'll text me. Like maybe I'll load one up, but it's my ones to him are always like too complicated, Grant. You know, I understand, you know, glutamine and all of these things, but general people can't see that. And if you're telling me I need an MRI machine to read it, we're screwed because most people don't have that. So I said, <laughs> I said, what about this? Um, this is my last text. Okay, well, we have a problem with getting people to deeply incorporate it into their lives. I think I'm talking about um, how do you measure glutamate? And he said by MRI. I said, maybe it loops back to breathing to reduce heart rate. A slower heart rate induces the parasympathetic nervous system, which lowers glutamate for all the reasons you highlighted. Add a low ultra processed diet into the mix, and you've got your good, and then you've got a good mix of practical start points for people to reduce inflammation because it seems to be inflammation is the real it nails you, you know, from a cell level all the way out. Um, If you can add micronutrient supplements, I put supplements because, you know, uh, then you've got yourself a a trio of wellness. So I did this based on, um, I read SAS, you know, the elite soldiers, they've got a rule of three, survival rule of three. So it's like Mm -hmm. three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without air. And that's their hierarchy of, you know, survival. So what if you had like a, and this is what I'll run past you. Something like, uh, let's say, three weeks of a micronutrient supplementation, right? Mm. Then you have like three days of no ultra-processed food. Yeah. And on that third day, you'll do three minutes of slow breathing. But I feel like telling someone who's at the wit's end just to slow breathe on day one would just be like someone telling you, can't you just be happy? You know, can't you just stop being sad? So I was trying to think about a practical way of like gamifying it so that it, but see, that's what I meant about the base. I'm not in charge of my micronutrients. My job's just to gobble in and all of that stuff so supposed to happen yeah, on its yeah, own. Yeah. yeah, you're kind of talking about like, how do you start? I mean, but the thing is, the thing is for like, and what's the, what's someone's entry into health? Mm. Um, and you like you never know like someone just doing the breath work they might be like it might change their way of thinking about something and then they might be more open to then actually changing their diet for a long term then it all might be like self-perpetuating like it's hard because 
everyone is so unique and has so many different interests and so many different things that, um, you know, ways of thinking. And so like for me, like my entry into health was purely through exercise. I used to think that, I used to think that the most important thing about health was exercise, that it didn't really matter what you ate um, or, or anything like that. Then I was like, then I started learning about nutrition. I realized that, well, shit, I mean, I think actually nutrition is probably more important than, than the movement aspect in terms of our overall health. Um, and then, I mean, I still think movement is incredibly important. And then I was, and then I, then I started thinking about, you know, mental health. And I was like, shit, I mean, maybe that's even more important than, than, than the, the nutrition side of things. Because if you're not looking after your mental health, then you probably can't look after your nutrition. And then it's like, well, hang on a minute. What if you're not, then it's like, what if you're not sleeping? Cause I mean, if you don't sleep, then you're just completely fucked. And so it's like, it's just this ongoing thing and they all tie into each other so well. Right. It's like, it's hard to really have a starting point for any one person, I think, but mm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, what is it when you talk about the breath work? What, what sort of breath work do you mean? So I've kind of coined it Minerva breathing, but it's based on the 5.5 seconds and 5.5 seconds out. So that's kind of for a couple of reasons. The science that I've been reading is around, you know, functional functional breathing is around four to 10 seconds. Whereas kind of this hyperventilative or mild hyperventilative breathing, we're up to kind of like 15 to 20. That's where they reckon 80% of people are breathing at, right? So just a bit quicker. So you're enacting a little bit of the the go in us. And so what was interesting about the what I picked as the breath work I'm going to kind of focus on is it's not like uh, there's a couple of studies actually that re- refer to this 5.5 and 5.5 out as um, that's where a lot of the ancient prayer was timed at. So you've got this ancient prayer that these hymns and the way they got people to talk and was would time you to these rhythms, you know. And I thought that was a really interesting idea that historically some of the answers are there too. And so the idea for the 5.5 is that you can engage in that without too many other health warnings. You know, you can actually reduce down to 5.5 without having too much air hunger and inducing a panic attack. You can also, um, for a lot of people, bringing it down to that rate will surprise you at how little we actually breathe that slow in the modern world. Mm. And that might be a good gateway into understanding, you know, working your way up just like a Wim Hof, because I think he has single-handedly, you know, brought through the next ideas of breathing. And lots of people say, hey, what's the difference between slow breathing and Wim Hof? And I'm like, well, again, we're on this kind of pendulum and, if you look at the Wim Hof, it's you know it's it's more about the inhale and releasing the exhale, and you know you breathe in these big breaths, which are um, you know pushing the diaphragm down. Bless you, you know, bringing like a bit more blood flow and turning the body on. You know, tumo breathing. On the other end of that, there's that kind of bateco breathing you were talking about. You know, silent not even hearing, you know, this kind of, um, but again, that's really hard because you've got to have a good CO2 tolerance or the, your air hunger will start getting into that, into your mind, you know? And um, so I just, I, I was seeking, a, a, I like the idea that this 5.5 breathing has been studied to, you know, um, 
get your HRV into a really good rhythm. And I guess uh, what I'm focusing on is I think a lot of people, their autonomic nervous system works against them, particularly if you're unfit. You know, it's running hot anyway. And if you can manually override that, you have a chance to get some of the health benefits a fit person would get as from, from bringing your heart rate down gently, but manually overriding it. And I just think that's... I really, you know, I really, I really like that, man. I, and I love the way that you, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're putting it in a way that it is so achievable for everyone. And it's not going to feel like a, uh, a, something that's difficult to do. Like for me, I don't, I go through stages of sometimes doing Wim Hof breathing, but like yeah. I haven't done a full round of full, like three rounds of Wim Hof in like probably like a year actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I sort of like, I just sort of, for me, I can't really be bothered. Um, I, I like to just dabble in little bits of other breathwork things, but I, it's like, it feels like too much of a chore um, to do, to do Wim Hof breathing. And so even though I know there are probably some health benefits to it, I just sort of can't really be bothered. Well, Whereas like, I feel like, I feel like your five point five stuff is mm. just so much more simple. Um, it's stuff that you can do anywhere. You know, people can do it while they're working at their computer. That's right. Well, it's, um, it's been real out of it to trial it on people because you know it's safe enough that I, at least from what I've read, there's no health warnings. You know, you don't actually pass out. In fact, you're gonna do yourself the opposite. You probably won't pass out because. You know, you're going to um, widen your blood vessels, get a little bit more blood flow, you know, not actually get into that crazy zone. And, and I mean, I've got a long ways to go in terms of how I work through this and the masters and stuff. But but uh, what I've learned also is, you know, you're probably not doing the Wim Hof stuff because you're finding other ways to activate the adrenal glands, you know, through the heat, through the cold. And that's what I love about this is that, that's actually the goal, you know, the Tumo breathing stuff is to get yourself, you know, jacked up. And then maybe the mental health benefits is can you control that adrenaline, eh? like you're talking mm-hmm. about. And so um, fantastic for if you feel a cold coming on. And I mean, that's, that's not just us talking in a wild way. This is all in the documentation. And, I, you know, that's my lifetime now is how do I if put on the spot? back myself up in that but that's the other things i say to grant too is like what else am i going to learn grant you know really i'm just going to learn how to write a good essay and i'm a fan of that but i fucking hate writing essays i suck at them i suck (laughs) so much but anyway let's not make this about me um uh, look, we could probably go on and on and on, but let's wrap it up here. Um, I just want to uh, ask you two final questions. One is like, who are you following at the moment that people should check out? You know, like um, interesting people that have interesting ideas. Um, and I guess mm-hmm. secondly, um, you know, anything coming up for you that my audience can follow you or support in any way? Um, people that I'm following, um, just trying to think. I'm, I'm actually, I was going to say I'm, I'm, I'm bad on social media, but I'm actually going to rephrase it and say I'm actually quite good on social media. I don't really scroll, but I'm, really, I'm not really up to date with that many people. Um, but um, I really like following a woman called Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Um, so she's, I think her Instagram handle is fa- uh, found my fitness. So it's at found my fitness. And she's just like, has really cool little little short clips about some interesting science that's sort of really relevant. Um, she speaks a lot about 
yeah, um, nutrients and vitamins and how that affects in different studies that has shown to um, you know be beneficial and put, and lots of stuff to do with sauna and cold. Um, so I really I really like following her. Um, and who else? <laughs> oh man, that's uh, I mean I, that's yeah. I probably do. I probably do have a few, but I can't really think of think of them off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so good. I mean, I just kind of like like the idea that it seems obvious to us, the people who, you know, give us ideas. That's why I always try and you know just share a little bit about. People can Google now, right? So, Doctor Rhonda Patrick. People can have a Google of that, and and I just think yeah. it's good shit. It's good shit to get some ideas out there because that's one of the like the beautiful things about the time we live in is you can get things out there. You know, so uh, and really, it's it's actually crazy how amazing it is, and you know, podcasts and all of that stuff. Um, and what about you, man? What's coming up that people can follow you and and join the join the Art Green journey? I mean, yeah, haven't occurred in like three weeks, so I'll probably be <laughs> laying pretty low. <laughs> but uh, I probably have a little bit of TV stuff coming up in the next few months um some stuff that i can't really talk about yeah and then um what else oh yeah i'm actually i'm doing like a health retreat at the end of the year in october um or i'm taking part in the health retreat so i'm sort of running all of the uh, physical fitness side of things and it's going to be in piha piha beach in Auckland. and that'll be pretty cool it's going to be a mixture of like meditation um physical fitness some yoga probably some breath work i think and um yeah some good food good people so yeah if anyone wants to check that out then that is uh soul retreats is uh is what we're doing so yeah awesome nice bro well thanks again for giving me time i don't know how life works but maybe in another few years we'll catch up again and we can just keep doing this till we're old and gray and maybe we oh dude dude five years stand by for a random message nah, man, no, no, what's, what's <laughs> we gonna, we'll, we'll figure it out you know we'll figure out this health thing and we'll start aging backwards <laughs> yeah, i think you'll keep having kids and and when i'm emailing you you'll be like hey man i'm just about to have my next kid it's <laughs> just full-time full-time dad all right let's wrap it here man thanks again appreciate it and um, take care brother and we'll catch up soon eh? awesome man good chat i could crumble into pieces but i got a million reasons why i won't because this heavy is a season and the sun is always